Welcome to our Deep Rooted Podcast, a weekly podcast featuring our latest live Bible study, as well as other encouraging messages and teachings from our hearts to yours. If you have your Bibles, let's go to our first scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. I'm not, I have no idea why I was in the book of Matthew right now. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Now, being a mother, that's just emphasized that the importance of being a mother. It is so important to become a mother because when you are raising a child, when you give birth to a child, you are giving a chance for another form of life to grow up and to contribute to society, to be a good person, be another good person in society. And uh, I remember just not wanting children because of the society we lived in <clears throat> and not wanting to raise them in this, in this generation. But the Lord showed me so much just in the, in the past years how important it is for us to raise godly children and to make, for them to make a difference. So we're going to go into 1 Samuel, and we're talking about Hannah and the, uh, his, her husband, whose name was Elkanah. So it says, Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim Zophim, uh, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Eluhu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, the son of Ephrathite. He had two wives. The name of one of the wives was Hannah. And the name of the other was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of the hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, uh, Hophni, and Phineas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah of the offered, he gave to Panina his wife and all her sons and daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb, and her adversary also provoked her sore for, for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest you? And why, why eatest thou not? And why is thou heart grieved? Am I not better than thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon the seat by the post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will, if you will indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thy handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. Oh, that's a mouthful. So, the whole story of Hannah, uh, well, this isn't the whole story, but the whole introduction of Hannah 
goes to sh goes on to, to to explain that Hannah was barren; she couldn't have children. That the Lord refrained her from having children. Now that's something we're going to get into, and that she was also sharing her husband with another woman who who could have um, a, a son or have children. And so Hannah goes and she prays and she prays to God and pleads with them and says, Lord, if, if I can have a child, then I will make sure he grows up and serves you forever. Now, how, how can you promise God what someone else is going to do, right? How can you sit there and say, Lord, if you do this for me, if you give me a child, I promise that he will never depart from you. That's, that is incredible to think that way. And the only way that you can really have that kind of mindset is if you understood the power of motherhood. If you knew how important it is to raise up a child, to ha give birth to one and watch it grow, that's powerful. And then to say, they will not depart from you. They will always follow you for the rest of their life, that their life is devoted to you. Now, that might, be, that might sound reasonable when the child is a teenager or the child is a child and they still have um, they still have their parents of, over their authority but when that child has grown up and that child is an adult and can now make his own decisions and do whatever he wants to do and to still say that they will still follow you Lord that is that is confidence knowing the power of motherhood and so Hannah she she was barren and you know barrenness was a curse in the uh, Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, it lists the blessings and the cursings. The blessings if you kept all of the laws and kept the covenant, and then the cursings if you broke the laws and broke the covenant, then you would be under a curse. And so, it doesn't explain here why she was barren. It doesn't say that because they didn't break, they, they kept the law, or if Israel, all of Israel didn't keep the law. But, the fact is, Deuteronomy lists the blessings and the cursings for the whole nation of Israel. So we all know that Israel was going back and forth in their ways and they loved God and then they didn't love God and they loved Him and they didn't. So it's not anything to do, it, 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 it could not have anything to do with Hannah and her family because from what the scriptures say, the husband went out every single year and went and brought offerings to the Lord. Um, so they, were, they loved the Lord but there was this curse upon them. And I feel like many people, they'll read this scripture and they'll say, you see, God's the one who allows me to have children and doesn't allow us to have children. But we have to realize that this is an Old Testament. This is an Old Testament scripture under the curse of the law. And so because of that, there was sin either in the family or there was sin in the nation. So sin in the family or sin in the nation could have caused this curse. And we need to know on this side of the law, on the New Testament side, that we're no longer under the curse of the law. We no longer can say that the Lord has shut up my womb. The Lord's preventing me from having a child because we're no longer under the curse. And all of his blessings are yes and amen. Mm -hmm. And you know what? If the curse was barrenness, then that means the blessings were fruitfulness. The blessings were being able to have a, ch a child. And man, that's why having children, to, like we need to start focusing 
the importance of the blessing of children are the blessing of being a mother being a father having that that ownership of we're blessed because of our children right mm. and so um, because when, when a child grows up they're blessed with their parents so why shouldn't the parents be blessed with their children it should go hand in hand and the fact is in Genesis every time God blessed them he said uh, he God blesses them and he said go and be uh, go be fruitful and multiply so being fruitful and multiplying it meant cultivating the land planting seeds reaping the harvest in other words conceiving a child reaping that harvest so when you're blessed you're fruitful and on this side of the cross we are now blessed all of us are blessed we're no longer under the curse we don't have to say here and say God is the one who's restricting me from having a child it's not God because God defeated the curse God completely destroyed the curse of the law and he gave us righteousness so understanding that children are blessings having a, a child is a blessing and you're underneath those blessings means that you too can have a child it doesn't matter how old you are you could be 50 years old still and have a child if you wanted one <laughs> and if God wanted you to have one but the the issue is people they still have this mentality that man the Lord's just keeping me from having a blessing in other words that, that's really what they're saying is the Lord's keeping me from a blessing mm -hmm. but that's not the truth anymore mm -hmm. right and even um, I know that we put this towards the end but even in Psalm 8411 um, and I've heard this being um, related to a marriage and mm -hmm. husband and wife because there's a scripture that says he who finds a wife finds a good thing um, and this one I feel like could be related to children because they are a blessing right. um, and that is for the Lord God is a sun and shield and the Lord will give grace and glory no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly and you know this was in Psalms so this was back in the day <laughs> but um, we are the upright we right. as children of God are the upright mm -hmm. so there's no good thing that the Lord's gonna withhold from us absolutely and as long as you're as long as you are in tune with the word and you're, you're in tune with God then you know that you know that no matter what I do God will not withhold <laughs> his blessings all of his blessings the calling and the blessings of the Lord are without repentance scripture says so God can't just take back what he gives now he could in the Old Testament because they were under the law but now that we're under freedom and we're under liberty he cannot bless us with fruitfulness and take it back and withhold it that would be going against his own will so we, we need to get we yeah we husbands listen to me if you're if you're trying for children and it's not looking good you need to also have the mentality of that you are blessed, that God has blessed you to have children. God's blessed you to be fruitful. And when you have faith in that with your wife and with your spouse and your wife, if you have faith with your husband, that you will have a child, then you will. You will, you will reap what that's, what's being sowed inside of you. So we need to get this into our heart as a family, as a community, as a body of Christ, that we are all blessed and we all no longer deserve get what we deserve that's the thing we don't we no longer get what we deserve 
Because if we got what we deserved, then half of the nation would be barren, and half of the nation would be dead, and half of the nation would be depressed. Well, they are. But half of the nation would just be in utter destruction as a Christian community if we got what we deserved. But now, since we, we got what Jesus deserved, then, then we are blessed. We are more than blessed. Mm -hmm. So we need to know that if barrenness was a sign of a curse, then that has to mean that having a child was the blessing. And we are all, we are all um, worthy of the blessing. But I love that. I just love when Hannah says, If you will indeed look after me, look after my afflictions, and give me a child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. His life. Not her life. Not, I will follow you all of my life. I will devote him all the days of his life to you. And that just, in Proverbs 26, 22, the scripture says to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And this, the, tra the word train is the word narrow. It's just defined as the word narrow, meaning it's like you're almost on a leash. Like that child's on a leash, it's on a bubble, and it, it's instructed to live life one way and that narrow way Jesus said narrow is the gate to life and the, and the gate to um, eternal life but broad is the gate to destruction so this narrow life it's hard mm -hmm. and it's it, it's hard to as an individual to live but it's harder for a parent to teach because you're dealing with someone else's free will you're dealing with the child's selfishness. You're dealing with the child's own desires. So that's this. all of this is showing Hannah's dedication. Mm -hmm. Her dedication to make sure that this child, Samuel, and if you didn't know, it's Samuel. The prophet Samuel was the child. That this child was going to be dedicated for the Lord. Dedicated for the Lord. And it says, when he grows up, when he gets old... He will not depart. Meaning, all of his life, he never departed. And now when he's old, to make his own decision, he will still not depart. It doesn't say, I'm going to train my child up as best as I can and go to church once a week and see what happens. And then when he's in high school, he's going to go astray, but then he'll come back. It's He's going to stay on the path the entire time. That's hard. Mm -hmm. But it's not impossible. Hannah did it. And Samuel is living proof of that. And we're going to get into Jesus as well with Mary. Because the unpopular opinion, the unpopular fact is that Jesus had a free will. Jesus did not have to die on the cross. He did not have to be perfect. He had to to save the world. But he could have sinned if he wanted to. He could have let temptation take over. But he didn't. And I'm getting ahead of myself now. But... The, the fact is, blessings, when, you're, when you know that you are blessed, when you know that blessings are yours, then you know that so is being a mother. Being a mother is one of the greatest blessings to ever, to ever have. Now I want to read some quotes from a few people. I saw, I was reading this article, um, and, and this person was talking about the mothers of the people that I'm reading. 
and they listed out all of the mother's names and I, I totally forgot all the names of them, but they said, you probably have never heard these names ever in your entire life, but these are all the mothers of the people that we're all gonna, that I'm gonna quote right here. So the first one, the quote is, of all the people I have ever known, she, being his mother, had the greatest influence on me. And that was by the late Billy Graham. The second one is, my mother was the making of me. She was so true, so sure of me, and I felt I had something to live for, someone I must not disappoint. And that was Thomas Edison. And lastly, uh, this, this last one, he says, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. And that was Andy Stanley. So all of these quotes are, are so, they're so great because Billy Graham, yeah, you've heard of him. You, you probably have heard of him, even if you're not a Christian. Thomas Edison, everyone's heard of Thomas Edison. Because of him, we have electricity and light. <laughs> um, and Andy Stanley, just a, a great speech, a preacher and speaker. But they listed the mothers of these people and they said, you probably have never heard of their names ever. But because of their children, you know their last name. You know their last name because of their children. And I thought that was just so incredible to hear, to read that, knowing like, man, these mothers, they raised these people to be who they are. And even, even if their own adulthood, they discovered their own self and they did their own things, look at their quotes. They, they brought it back to their mother showing how much of an impact they were. Mm -hmm. right? I know I've heard even um, Ben Carson, I, I don't know if a mm -hmm. lot of people know, but um, I, I know, he, I mean, he was a neurosurgeon and even ran for president. Mm -hmm. Very successful, smart man, and he gives all, a lot of the glory to his mom. Right. Mothers are just so impactful. Mm -hmm. they're, they're so important. You know, go to, let's go to Luke chapter 1, and we're just going to pick apart some scriptures here, but God... God set the price on a mother, if you will. How he, he set the price on a mother because the only way that God could have ever saved mankind was by using a mother. He had to use a mother to create Jesus. He had to, because he already made Adam out of the dust. He already made him out of the dust. And so all of humanity, all of life, was already in motion. So he couldn't just do it again. He couldn't just make another human from the dust because he already established the law of conceiving, conceiving re reproduction. Yeah. So he had to use a woman mm -hmm. to implant the seed of Jesus into, and I love this because culture today glorifies sex, glorifies lust, all of those things. And they disesteem motherhood, parenting, uh, being a stay-at-home mom, all those things. They disesteem that, and they glorify just the sex, the sex portion. But God did the complete opposite. He glorified the motherhood, and then he disesteemed the sex. He didn't use sex to create Jesus. He just implanted him in the womb of Mary, and she birthed him. Because motherhood is important. Before we go to, sorry, before we go to Luke, I just want to point out one more thing about Hannah that I just remembered. In chapter 2, verse 18, it says that 
Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child, girded with a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him year uh, from year to year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. So now she's teaching Samuel the way of life, the way of, of what they did for the Lord every single year. Because remember, we're in chapter 1. Um, her husband is the one who did all that stuff. So now she's teaching Samuel how to do all these things with, with the family. And it said, And Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, The Lord gives... Uh, gives you seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to the Lord. And they went into their home, and the Lord visited Hannah. So she conceived and bore three more sons and two daughters. So not only did she plead for the Lord to give her one, but because of her faithfulness, she said over in chapter 1 that I will dedicate him to you all the days of his life. Chapter 2, as a child, he went up to go do the offerings every single year. She would make him robes for him to get all nice and fancy in his Sunday best and give offerings. She was teaching him how to be a servant of the Lord. And because of it, she received three more sons and two more daughters. That's six children in, gen in, in, all, in general. So she got more than what she asked for because her faithfulness. Mm -hmm. Her faithfulness. She didn't quit once she got the child. And that's a lot of people they do. They they get their they pray for the Lord for them for a blessing. And then all of a sudden they get the blessing and they just stop. And they do whatever they want. They they have fun, they go out and do whatever whatever. But they they quit. And that's not what Hannah did. Hannah was with the Lord. She promised the Lord something. The Lord gave her something in return. And she kept her promise, and she was faithful mm -hmm. with what she promised. And so because of it, the Lord blessed her even more because of that. It's just so encouraging to know that when you're faithful with the littlest things like a baby, God will bless you because he knows you're faithful with the biggest. He knows if you can take care of one child, if, if you can dedicate this one child, and you can... You can sanctify this child and make this child love me, then you can do that with 10. <laughs> right? <laughs> it just takes one before the Lord just unleashes that valve and you get 10 more. <laughs> so Luke chapter 1 is the story of the birth of Christ. And I love, there's certain parts of it in verse 36. Um, it's about Mary hearing that she's going to receive Jesus. And the angel of the Lord appears to Mary and tells him, tells her uh, what she's going to do. And says, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, the Lord God, and shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And uh, Mary, she genuinely asks, How shall this be, seeing that I, not, I, I know not a man? So she wasn't doubtful. She was just, how? <laughs> how is this going to happen, God? Like, I haven't been with anyone. And the angel said, The Holy Ghost will come on you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. 
And behold, your cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her whom was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, may it be unto you, unto me, according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Man, the response of Mary. I love what she said. Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me, according to your word. In other words, whatever you say, let's do it. She had so much trust in the Lord um, with this weird scenario. <laughs> weird scenario. This has never been happened before. This has never, never taken place before, um, except in Star Wars. <laughs> it's like, this is weird. And Star Wars is fantasy. And this happened in real life. That Mary conceived a child without knowing a man, without, without any of that. And the Lord miraculously provided a baby in her womb. And Elizabeth as well. Elizabeth also had, this, had a child who was a John the Baptist. And she was barren. And she was also in old age. See, there's so many women that are in Scripture that were barren, but they also had miracle children. Look at Sarah in the Old Testament. She had a barren womb. And then she had Isaac, which was the promised child, which gave birth to the entire nation of, of uh, Israel, I believe. So, barrenness is, is, is not a good thing. It is not from the Lord, and it's from the enemy. And so, when you realize you have blessings, you are, you are, you are um, how should I say it? You are rightfully heirs to blessings. Then you should know that children are blessings. That being a mother is a blessing. Mm -hmm. So, Mary immediately receives the word from the Lord and she rejoices and it says that she went to Elizabeth's house. She went, uh, uh, she rose in those days and went into the hillside, into the city, into the house of Zacharias and she went to Elizabeth. And it says, it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. I love this story because because of a baby, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe she was one of the first people to be filled with the Holy Spirit, if not the first. Everyone else was anointed by the Spirit. Everyone in the Old Testament was, they were anointed, and then they weren't. Mm -hmm. But Elizabeth was filled mm -hmm. with the Holy Spirit because of the presence of Jesus. But he was a baby. Mm -hmm. He had, he, as a baby, he had nothing to offer he was a baby and I feel like we forget that mm -hmm. that Jesus literally was a human being a, a child baby sucking on his thumb peeing his diaper baby <laughs> and he still the presence of him gave the Holy Spirit baptism to Elizabeth mm -hmm. it's just so it's so great um, that the babe leaped in her womb mm -hmm. Le it was it, it, as if he was happy mm -hmm. and just jumped around and was happy <laughs> you know why, why would they add this in there babies always kick right mm -hmm. babies always move around the womb but the fact that the baby leaped in the in the womb and then the holy spirit was was there i i kind of picture it as you know when you're pregnant and you have people always touching you and oh can i feel and they like they try to put their head to it i feel like elizabeth 
put her head to Mary's belly, and then Jesus kicked her head and got, gave her the Holy Ghost. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Laid hands on her in the womb. But it's just, it's incredible to me how awesome God is. How awesome He is. And then it says, for nothing will be impossible. Nothing will be impossible. So you can, you can have the worst situation ever, and you can know that nothing is impossible with God. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a miracle baby. My mom's told me this story many times, and I forget exactly all the, the fine details, but I do know that I wasn't supposed to go to full term as a, as a baby. And um, there were just some things in my mother's uh, area, the stomach, where I wasn't connected to something. Again, I don't know all the fine details, but I wasn't supposed to go to full term, and the, the doctors suggested that um, her to abort me because of the pain that she would go through, the pain I would go through. It just wasn't a good situation. And so she said nope, and she, she stood on faith, and she before she even knew about faith, she, she stood on the word, and she stood on faith, and she knew that she was gonna have this baby, that she was gonna have a baby, and his name would be Matthew. And so, here I am, <laughs> miracle child. But it's just incredible because there are stories like that everywhere. There are countless stories um, about, of miracle children, miracle births. And it's, it's exactly what the scripture says. With God, nothing is impossible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. So I just want to encourage those who have been trying for children for a long time that, you know, you, you might be having a hard time in a season of Mother's Day because you've been trying. Uh, maybe in the past you've had traumatic experiences with all that. But I want you to know that it doesn't matter what you've gone through. It doesn't matter how many times you tried, how many times it failed. It doesn't matter because the Lord, the, our God, He is a restorer. And if it, it's as if He erases every single failed attempt. He erases every single bad past and he will give you a brand new start, a brand new start every single day. And that's what happens with, with Elizabeth. That's what happened with Sarah, with Hannah. Mm-hmm. Every single woman in scripture that was barren had a miracle birth, and that child became something incredible, something incredible. Now, just to say that those who don't have miracle births aren't going to be incredible children, no, absolutely not. But John the Baptist, he was a normal birth, 100% normal, from at least from what scripture says. Mm-hmm. And look at what he did. But Elizabeth was barren. Oh, that's right. Elizabeth was barren. <laughs> Sorry. I completely just, just <laughs> he was a normal my head. kid. Okay, L- look at Paul, the mm-hmm. Apostle Paul. We don't know his story, but there's no, there's no difficulties in his birth in Scripture, so we can assume his was normal. And look at the, the thing he went through. And look at everything he did accomplish for the Word. So, miracle children, there's blessings on them. And just children. Children are miracles in and of themselves. Being a child is a miracle. Like, think about it. I can't stand people who think evolution is real. Because to, to just say we all just form from nothing and we're just happenstance, that's, that's malarkey. Because <laughs> malarkey. it is. Because look at the, in, in the, the fine details in a human being that God created. There are so many fine details. Every DNA inside of us works perfect for how we need to function like it is so intricate how God created us and for people to say that it's just happenstance it's just a bunch of atoms exploding together and making this that's just nonsense 
And I'm sorry if that was offensive, but that's just nonsense to not give God credit of everything that is in a human body. So just with that, a miracle is just a birth in itself. A child forming from a seed from a father and an egg from a mother coming together and forming this, it's just incredible. Creating one. Mm -hmm. and, and it deserves so much more recognition than just, oh yeah, I'm expecting a child. Mm -hmm. No, you're expecting a miracle. Mm -hmm. Like you are, you are literally incubating a miracle inside of your belly. It is awesome. And God wants every woman that's, that, is a, that is a wife, that wants to be a mother, God wants, God wants you to have a baby more than you want to have babies. <laughs> God, loves, God loves children so much. He loves them. And Jesus talked about it all the time, that if you offend these little ones, you'd be better to have a millstone on your neck and toss in the sea than, than offend them mm -hmm. because He loved them so much because they're, they're miracles. Yeah. They are truly miracles. So going back to Mary, in verse 46, after she goes to Elizabeth and she, she starts to sing this song. She says, uh, My soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. Here's that handmaiden again. That was over in, with Hannah as well. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. Why? Because I'm having a child. Because I'm having the, she was having the child of God. But she was still having a child from a miraculous encounter with the Lord. And so she she took it upon herself to call her blessed. I've been listening to a study from Andrew Walmack about self-centeredness. And he was talking about with Moses, how Moses and, and Numbers, I believe, um, he says, Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth, written by Moses. Like Moses wrote that about himself. And he said, if any of you, if any of you were in a church service and the pastor said, um, if, if, you, if you close your eyes and pray and you ask the Lord to tell you who's the humblest person, most humble person in the room, um, go ahead and just stand up and say it was me. So I'm, none of you guys would stand up because all of you would think that that's prideful. So, but if God told you you were, you were humble, if God told you you're blessed, you have every right to stand up and say, I'm blessed. I'm humble. I'm righteous. And to the world, it's like, oh, that's not humble. That's not right. <laughs> that's not blessed. That, that's, that's pride. But if God tells you that you're blessed, you have every right to stand up and say you're blessed. And that's what Mary did. She received this word from the Lord. She was joyful. She shared it with a friend. And then she starts singing this, this song and she says, all the generations will call me blessed. And you know what? This isn't to say that Mary is the, the, the Mary. <laughs> she was just a person, okay? Yes. She was just a person. And we're not, we're not teaching anything weird here. But we're just teaching that she recognized her, her standing. She recognized what was rightfully her identity. And that was because of what the encounter she had with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And she goes on to say, For he that is mighty has done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. So Mary, she did the good thing. She, uh, other Mary did the good thing as well, Jesus said. But this Mary, she did the good thing, and that was rejoicing when she found out the news. And uh, it, it's just such a great story. Great story. Great, great example of the response we should have when we find out we're expecting. Mm -hmm. 
because it, children are blessings. They are, they are blessings, blessings, blessings. In John chapter 19, we'll go over there really quick. Because Jesus, again, he was human. Mm-hmm. He was 100% human, 100% God. But he was human. Yeah. And in the scriptures, it says that Jesus, he grew um, in, Luke 5, in Luke chapter 2. It says that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and all men. So what it, this paints a picture of the life of Jesus and how it looked. It says he grew and in, in, he increased in wisdom. Where did wisdom come from? His parents. Wisdom came from somebody else who walked the walk, who talked the talk. You can't find wisdom without a mentor, without someone to look up to. I know I've learned a ton of things from my parents, from my dad, and from my mother. I've learned things from my grandparents, from, from many people who've done life more, more than me, or longer than me. So he got wisdom from his parents and from the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit speaking to him all the time. Um, grew in stature, such as means he grew up, and in favor with God and man. So not just spiritual, it's not just he grew wisdom spiritually and, and favors spiritually with man, physically. He learned how to be social. He learned how to talk. He learned manners. He learned everything that we learn. Mary changed his diapers. Mary sewed up all of his clothes whenever he would jump on the trees and run away and do things. Mary was his mother and nurtured him, mm-hmm. taught him. And the way that Jesus grew up, again, Jesus didn't have to die on the cross. He didn't have to not sin. He didn't have to love everyone. One, he had the most intimate relationship with God the Father than anyone did then. And he was one with the Father, so he had that influence. But he also had the influence of his parents. He had the influence of his father, Joseph, and of his mother, Mary. Now, a lot of people, a lot of scholars say that Mary, um, or that Joseph passed away when when Jesus was a teenager. So if that's true, then... Mary was a single mom raising Jesus for most of his life. But that's just, that's just speculation. But it still goes to show that Jesus growing up, he was influenced by his parents, by his father, and by his mother. And I say this because in John chapter 19, this is the last moment of Jesus. This is his last breath on the earth. And it says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished. Oh, I'm sorry. I went too far. He says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. There's a lot of Marys. I think we were talking about that earlier. There's three Marys on the site right here. And in verse 26, When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, which is John, He said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And he said to his disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciples took her, that disciple took her unto his own home. And after that it says that he said, I thirst, knowing that the scripture would be fulfilled. And there was a vessel of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it on his put upon 
hyssop and put it onto his mouth. And when therefore he had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. So the last words of Jesus was, it is finished. One before that, I thirst. And one before that, mom, here is your son. Disciple, here is your mother. I love the, the example he set because Jesus Christ dying on the cross for the sins of all mankind took the time, took the breath, dehydrated, suffocating Jesus, took his energy and his breath to make sure his mother was taken care of. That goes to show me how close him and his mom were. That how that bond of mother and father. And now Jesus said earlier in scripture, if you can't forsake your mother, if you can't forsake your father for my sake, you're not fit. If you don't hate your mother and your father and your brother and sister for my sake, you cannot follow me. So he said those things, but he shows here that he loved his mother, that he loved her with all of his heart for the last thing for him to say. Like the last things that he ever spoke on the cross are the most significant words that he's ever said. He forgave people on the cross when he was being killed. His father forgave them for they don't know what they're doing. He forgave someone's sins that was sitting right next to him on the cross. There are so many things that, that, that were just... Um, what's the word I'm trying to look for? Uh, Jeremy Pearson says it all the time. Epical. These epical moments. This epochal moments of when everything changed after these moments. He took the time to make sure his mom was taken care of. Mm -hmm. Make sure his mother had a home. His because, And you would think, well, why, where's Joseph? So that's why people think that Joseph's passed on already. Because there is nowhere for her to go anymore. So... No matter how busy you get, no matter how, how boggled you get with life's demands and, and work and all the things that life is trying to throw at you, Jesus set the example that there is time for your mother, <laughs> that you need to make sure that you have quality time with her. You need to make sure that she's taken care of when they get older. You need to make sure that, that she feels loved on, on Jesus' last death, his last... Uh, his deathbed, his last breath, he made sure that his mother was taken care of. doesn't matter how busy we get. Our mothers are so important. They are so treasured and they are precious. Mm -hmm. And we, we cannot let life or dying on the cross get, that, get in the way of that. We really can't. I love looking to Jesus and all these things because if he did it, then there's no reason why we shouldn't do it. Amen. Amen. In Proverbs 31, what translation is this? Say it was New Living. Yes. Okay. This, I, there's a great proverb. The pro and in in the King James, it kind of sounds funny, so we're gonna read it from the New Living. But it's talking about a virtuous woman, a virtuous woman, and it says. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her, and she greatly will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She finds wool and flax and busily spins it. She's like a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and plan the day's work for her servant girls. She goes to inspect the field and buys it. With her earnings, she plants a vineyard. 
She is energetic and strong, a hard worker. She makes sure her dealings are profitable, her lamps burn late into the night, her hands are busy spinning thread, her fingers twisting fiber. She extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. She has no fear for, of winter for her household, for everyone has warm clothes. She makes her own bedspreads. She dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. Her husband is well known at the city gates where he sits with the other civic leaders. She makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the merchants. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She laughs without fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise. She gives instructions with her kindness. She carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. Her child, her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. And that's such a great, I love that proverb. I think everyone thinks of their mom when they read that. <laughs> oh yeah. Mothers are they're amazing. They're superheroes. They I believe that mothers are God's demonstration of his unconditional love. His unconditional love. Because you might have had a rough childhood maybe growing up. Maybe your your mom is a, a firecracker and she's <laughs> uh she's funny and she's she's a a, a whippersnapper. Why am I saying all these words? Help me, Lord. <laughs> Maybe your mom is, is, isn't is like the nurturing and like the... Ah, but she loves you. And she fed you. And you're alive today because she let you live. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I remember um, hearing the phrase all the time uh, about mothers that I brought you into this world and I can take you out. <laughs> they can, man. They have all the right, all the authority to take you out of this world. But... They keep us alive. They nurture us, and they 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 truly unconditionally love us. Mm-hmm. And that looks different to a lot of people. A lot of people. I know my mother. She, my mother was nurturing to me. She fed me when I was hungry. She spoiled me when I wanted to be spoiled. She took care of me, and and I'm so grateful for her. Um, one of the things that I'm grateful about her is she taught me how to be happy with with a woman. She taught me how to love someone that's delicate, some, love someone that's gentle, love someone that's not like me. <laughs> because <laughs> me and my mom, we're very similar in certain areas, but we're very different in others. And she taught me how to love someone that's different. And and really, you always, you always kind of see and hear that you marry your father or you marry your mother really like you, when you grow up you find someone that resembles your your father if you're a woman and your mother if you're a son and I think that's very true because there are certain characteristics that you have and there are certain things that you hold that remind me of my mother and you've told me that I do things that remind you of your father <laughs> <laughs> so I think we're drawn to that when we're when we're raised by our, our mothers and our fathers, how they how they take care of us, how mm-hmm. they treat us, and they provide for us. So when we're off finding our own spouse, we remember how did my mom treat me? Mm-hmm. How did how did I feel around my mom? Because chances are, when you meet someone that you feel good around, when you meet someone that um, that resembles kind of your mother or your father, 
it, you, you don't want to leave their presence. You just mm -hmm. want to be around them all the time. And that's something that I found with you, that um, you were very calming, very calming. And me and my dad, we're both spontaneous and sometimes, and, and energetic. And we can talk and talk and talk for, how many hours have I been talking for now? Oh my <laughs> but my mom, she's very reserved with her speech. And she only speaks when she feels the need to. And when she does speak, she's very wise. That's something that I feel like you hold as well in your, uh, just with, with who you are. You, you, how many times have you spoken tonight? <laughs> but when you do speak, it is valuable. Very valuable, very wise. And, um, but it's, it's just so interesting how, how much you look for your parent in a spouse. You look for that. You look for a, a father figure I know I had many mentors that resembled my father. So the, your, your parents make a huge difference in your life. And mothers, they are, I believe, are, are God's example of his unconditional love. Mm -hmm. Because they will love you no matter what. Even if it doesn't feel like they love you, they still love you. They love you so much. And growing up, I might have not been the best child. I might have caused some heartbreaks to my parents and some tears. But I knew that they loved me. And I knew that nothing that I would do would, would make them not love me. In fact, because of that knowledge, it hurt me hurt to hurt them. Mm -hmm. When I knew that I did something wrong and that it would hurt them, it hurt me. I, I didn't feel like I got away with something. I didn't feel like I was living my life. I felt like I just dishonored the people who loved me the most. Mm -hmm. So having a, a mother and father, but it's Mother's Day, guys. Father, you'll get yours later. <laughs> Having a mother who loves you and a mother that shares her unconditional love with you is such a blessing. And moms, we are all thankful for each and every one of you. My mom, personally, I love you so much. And you've been such a huge supporter of our ministry, a huge supporter of everything that I've done in my personal life. All my businesses I've started, my hobbies I've done. You <laughs> bought all of my t-shirts that I've made. <laughs> you, you supported me so much and I'm so thankful for for you in my life and raising me to be the person I am today. And my mother-in-law who's currently behind the, the computer over there in the corner. <laughs> so thankful for you as well and everything you've done. And you've, you've also been a humongous support in everything that I've done and, and all the things that I uh, have wanted to do. You're always there backing me up and supporting us. So we thank all of you, my, my mother and my mother-in-law and, and my grandmothers. There are so many mothers to thank. It's, it's ridiculous, but every single one gets a special thank you. Um, and uh, we hope you guys are blessed and we hope favor is upon you guys and more blessings to come. And um, you guys are superheroes. You guys are all really superheroes. So we love each and every one of you. And we hope this was a blessing. Thank you so much for listening to the Deep Rooted Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this, and if you'd like to hear more from Matthew and Stephanie, subscribe to this podcast and visit our website. From there, you will be able to contact us directly, access our live Bible study archives, and so much more. You can also find out how to partner with us in sharing the gospel all across the world. Be blessed today, continue living in the victory, and remember that you are always welcome here in our family of faith.